Defenders podcast, the number one fan podcast about the Marvel Netflix series. I'm Claire. I'm Mel. I'm Matt. I'm Robin. Yay, yay, we got it right. We rule. We celebrate every week when we get it right. We're still here. We're still here. We we survived. Yay. I don't know what we survived. Uh, I survived my con flu because I'm sick, so apologies to all the listeners if I'm like coughing and I sound like a 50 a day smoker, but uh, yeah, I'm 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 dying. <laughs> uh, so it's a good job that we have a doctor in the house. Hooray! <laughs> we have the our guest this week is the original Doc Brown. Forget Doctor Emmett Brown. It's all about Doctor Moira Brown. Yay! Uh, hi, you guys. Hi, Moira. You did so, do an alliteration. Oh, uh, the medical marvel that is Moira. <laughs> oh, that's her name off the top of your head. Yeah. Medical marvel that is Moira. That is her. <laughs> She's our. She is our night nurse. She is. She is the she night nurse of Defenders podcast. The only Moira that's not dating Professor X. There's a character. <laughs> Everyone's like, what? I should say, just before oh. we recorded, we were discussing um, the fact that Moira, um, you're not, you're watching Daredevil literally just on it, kind of standing on its own because you're not um, like a big Marvel fan at all. Like you're not that knowledgeable. So you're kind of a bit of a Mel of the podcast as well. Yes. Like, so I mean, like, tell us about what you were saying. <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, I, like, I know who Spider-Man is. I knew a little bit about him. Other than that, when you guys are referencing all these other people, like the Punisher and some guy in a purple suit, I have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> Absolutely no context at all. So when Mel's, craw- you know, crawling into her eggshell and turning into a zygote, yeah, I'm doing it right <laughs> along with her. <laughs> I don't get and, and, and I haven't even seen the Daredevil movie because I heard it was terrible, so I thought there was no purpose in watching it. Yeah, so for me, like I didn't even know. Well, I didn't even know that this character was a blind guy. Like seriously, until <laughs> till, you know, I watched the first episode. In fact, the only Daredevil I knew was going into a comic shop with you, Claire, in London, oh, yeah. while you, while you rooted through Daredevil back <laughs> issues. But it's not like I picked it up and went, oh, that's interesting. Look, he seems to be blind. Like, I had no idea. I need nothing. That's what I do, Moira. That's what I do. I had Angela and Heath visiting London yesterday, and I also took them to a comic book shop and rummaged through comics. Right, it's a great bookshop. But, but I have to say, okay, Claire, I get it now why you like this character so much. Oh, cool. Yay, I've converted Moira. Yay. Much like Batman, he, you know, he's a guy, and yeah, he has sort of like special senses. And he's, you know, he's got his martial arts or, you know, whatever. But he's basically a guy who's just kind of trying to do the right thing. And I just think that's, that's kind of neat. I don't know. I quite like that. So Yeah. He's just a guy. He's just a guy. He's a guy. He's just a guy. Well, that's like yeah. why I've said before that I like the street level characters in Marvel. So, you know, because they are, they're not, you know, they're not gods and big green monsters, you know, like Thor and the Hulk running around. They're... It, most of the time, they might have some powers, but most of the time they are just people, which I kind of like. Uh, I don't know. Um, so I'm glad that you're enjoying it, Moira. You know what, though? that Whatever you just said, that cut out almost completely for me. Oh, did it? <laughs> yeah, everybody else. recording it. Uh, <laughs> so listeners, oh, that was just for you. That was just for, just for my favorite listeners. <laughs> right now. Love you, listeners. I love yes, you. Yes, I am enjoying it. I really am. Yeah, cool. it's good. 
Awesome. Uh, well, this week, um, there isn't really much news. Mainly it's about the cast, or what I've seen this week anyway. Uh, I haven't seen any sort of Daredevil Defenders news apart from some new set photos from the filming of AKA Jessica Jones, but nothing really new. There's been a lot of news, though, that in the next few days, they're probably going to announce the next, next actor to play Spider-Man in the Marvel Spider-Man film, uh, which is kind of exciting, but seeing as this is like the third actor to play Spider-Man in 10 years, it's a bit kind of like... <laughs> Uh, you know, it's it's fine, but if it was Miles Morales, then I'd be excited. But yeah, that would be cool. I'm gonna explain who Miles Morales is for for, for Mel and Moira Matt. Mel and Moira Matt. Who is Miles Morales? Oh my God, there's so many M's in that sentence. <laughs> he's he's a young uh, black slash Mexican. Oh uh, yeah, I think he's yeah yeah he's uh, Afro Latino boy. <laughs> Yeah. A young black, not, black not, Mexican boy. Not like a, not like a, boy. a five-year-old. No, like no, a no, boy. no, no. Not like, like a chupacabra. Yeah, <laughs> not chupacabra. <laughs> no, he's not like a boy, boy. He's like a a young man. A young man, yeah. An adolescent. He's an adolescent. That's what you call him. Juvenile. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a juvenile. <laughs> but yeah, he's uh, and he's from the Marvel Ultimate Universe, which is a different universe. And he recently the crossed... Miles guys. Yes, and he yep. recently crossed over to oh. the the main Marvel universe. <laughs> and he fights Spider Man. And <laughs> you guys talking about a real person or a fake person? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, guys? <laughs> see, I, I, see, no, I, I don't know either. <laughs> okay, know. he's basically the <laughs> other <laughs> Spider Man. He's another character that became Spider Man. But it would be cool for him to become Spider-Man in the films because we've had so many Peter Parkers as Spider-Man and, and Miles Morales is, is Afro-Latino. So it would be interesting to have a person of colour as Spider-Man. Wait, wait, hold on. <laughs> wait, there's more than one Spider-Man? Yes. <laughs> there's the only there's one I know. One everyone. Oh, my yeah. God, people. So, Matt, yeah. um, from listening to this podcast... You clearly have been a fan of the Marvel Universe probably since you were, like, two years old, right? <laughs> it yeah. seems like you're well immersed in this. Okay, I'm, yeah. just, I'm just curious. So do you have a favorite Marvel character? Oh, uh, geez. Uh, like, Robin is Batman. I know that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll get back to you. I'll just okay. burst in at some point and say, my, okay. my favorite character is Blake. <laughs> like, Clara, Clara loves Daredevil. Robin loves Batman. I'm thinking, okay, if you live in this world of Marvel, which is, you know, foreign to me, I'm just thinking, you know, maybe you have an absolute number one superhero. Mm -hmm. So let me know. Hey, just because my name is Robin doesn't mean I, I probably love Batman. do, but. <laughs> <laughs> but you love, you, oh, you love Superman. Sorry. Wait, you love, you love Superman. Don't you love yes. Superman? No, you love Superman more. Sorry, I'm so sorry. How did I not know that? Oh, Robin. <laughs> Anyway, but oh, I love it. Well, yeah. You pull that over. <laughs> well, just you know. know there's another Spider-Man. <laughs> I, I, I put a link to I put a link to a uh, Google yeah. search of Miles Morales <laughs> in the in the the chat if I click on it, see I, all I, the pictures. I don't give a shit about all these alternate universes. Yeah. They kind of drive me bonkers. Hey, well he's in the main <laughs> universe now. So. It's just, yeah, it's just a, it's just a friggin' <laughs> stupid. Uh, <laughs> Mel's brain is it? literally uh, frying in her head. I can I can hear it. <laughs> Oh, anyway, I got a, I got a question though. The, mm -hmm. You know, when they're recasting Spider Man, mm -hmm. and the rumors were going around about Donald Glover being Spider Man, right? Mm -hmm. uh, did that was that? Uh, did Miles Morales exist before that, or did he come into existence because of that? Uh, I think he. I'm pretty sure he existed before that, but I think oh. what they were saying about Donald Glover, I think it was as Peter Parker because. 
you know, like one of the one of the things about Spider-Man is that he's not really as a, like Peter Parker as a character is not really governed by his race. Is not a big issue yeah. in it. Whereas a character like Matt Murdock, like Daredevil, is more because he has the whole kind of Irish Catholic thing going on. It would be it's so he's kind of like in the comics he's the red-headed Irish boy, you know. So it's kind of more to do with his race. But there's a lot of characters where you could have anyone of any race play them. So I think it was for him to play Peter Parker, and that's why a lot of fans have been saying. You know, even if we don't have Miles Morales as the new Spider-Man and we have Peter Parker, why can't we have someone of colour play Peter Parker? Because, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't make any... I, I like Spider-Man, I'm a fan of everything. It wouldn't make any difference to me. If you just get a good actor, it's like, who cares what colour they are, you know, for that particular character. Yeah. Yeah. Donald Glover's a bit too old now, but back then he would have been fine. Yeah, they're going for, like, very young actors, <laughs> like, like 16, yeah. 17, 18, so... That's the kind of actors they've been looking at, but maybe we'll see Spider-Man and Daredevil interact at some point, and I, my heart will grow three sizes in my chest, and I'll die of happiness. (laughs) (laughs) I still have no idea if it happens this season, so no spoilers. Well, they haven't (laughs) passed Spider-Man yet, so I can tell you that it doesn't drop in. He could have been wearing a mask the entire time. You don't need to have an actual person cast for that. That's true. Well, I'm not saying... Brewster and the, uh, the old mass. Uh, <laughs> you just want Chris Brewster as everyone in the show, <laughs> which he should be. Yes. Split That's the other thing I was uh, <laughs> I was going to say. I'm watching with you guys, so I'm not skipping ahead. So I'm also ignorant <laughs> about what's coming up. Because <laughs> cool. I, I like figure, having all the knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Well, I figure you know what? If I can watch Buffy with <laughs> potential cast and not skip ahead, and it's been five years. <laughs> Then I can manage this for a few weeks. Only thirteen episodes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And we promise this weekly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> so this week's episode is Shadows in the Glass. It was written by the showrunner Stephen Denight, and it was directed by Stephen Sergic. Um, and let's get into it, I guess. So, speaking of, uh, oh, speaking of uh, Buffy and all that and Stephen Tonight, I've been watching Angel Season 5 this week, which a lot of the episodes are either Stephen Tonight or Drew Goddard or both. Oh, nice. And it's just so dark. It's great. It's great you're watching oh. those old episodes and uh, at the same time, you know, watching Daredevil. So. Particularly after Season 4 of Angel, which is like, uh, <laughs> Season 5, I like. Oh, yeah. Season, yeah. Season yeah, four season five is, is, it's 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 funny. It's like uh, the first few episodes are kind of like uh, I don't want to spoil anything, um, mm-hmm. but the remainder of the season is so like dark and intriguing. Kind of, I'm loving it. Yeah, it's really good. I love it. Cool. Um, Looking forward to that too. Yeah. <laughs> so first <laughs> scene of this episode um, is we get a few times obviously in the episode, and it's uh, Wilson Fisk wakes up and he's kind of whimpering, and he looks at the painting on his wall. He makes breakfast in his kimono. Um, picks a this suit. became hateable. Sorry. I know, it's so <laughs> hateable. I was like, yes, we're going to watch him cook food all, all episode. <laughs> it's food, porn, and classical music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it was perfect. I loved it. <laughs> and Hannibal's coming back this week, right? Yes! He doesn't yeah. hate us, but yeah. Oh, I love Hannibal. It's so good. Um, when he woke up, mm-hmm. it looked like he was in the... the the sensory deprivation tank from the Daredevil movie. 
I can promise you that's not coming back. I can tell you that. It was just... It was completely black all around him, but I think mm-hmm. when he woke up, his, I don't think his bed was black. I don't think his sheets and pillows were black, but... Maybe he surrounded himself with his suits, like a little nest <laughs> of his suits that are all black. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> He's roosting. Yeah. It's like a he, does have, he does have an, an egghead, so I mean, it makes sense that he'd be in a nest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does. It's just... It's just his head is, like, poking out of all the clothes, and it just looks like a perfect egg. <laughs> it's so symmetrical. Yes. Well, I think his head coming out of the darkness, it's kind of like, you know, it's as if he's pulling it out from underwater, you know. He's in this abyss, this dark recess I mean. of his mind. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's why it looked like he was sleeping in a water tank. Like, like Yeah. A... <laughs> And obviously we've got the return of the painting, effect. which is cool. The rabbit in a snowstorm. And and the definition behind it later. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So uh, cool. I love that his bathroom is so samurai. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting because obviously... Yeah, he has super long... Oh, cool. I was going to say he has super long sleeves and he almost got them in his food several times. <laughs> <laughs> He's wearing a kimono. It's cool. Yeah. Like, um, I like I like his apartment we see in this because... There's lots of hints at that he has spent a lot of time in Asia, because which he says later. But like he wears the kimono, and then in his um, in his bedroom or in his wardrobe is like the chest that's got all um, uh, kind of like it looks like Japanese writing on it. So there's lots of little hints before later you find out that obviously he can speak Mandarin and Japanese, which I kind of like. I like that they sort of pepper that in throughout the episode. Mm. Uh, what did you guys think of when he looks in the mirror and we see this kind of bloody-faced little mini uh, fist? Well, I immediately thought, yeah, him as a child, and now maybe we'll get to find out why he went to live with an aunt or something for a long time. Well, so were you guys excited to get some sort of backstory yeah. on him? Because I know yeah. um, like Robin and, um, and Matt have said that this isn't, you know, this isn't really like the kingpin from the comics as yet because he seems this quite hesitant yes. guy. Yeah, so were you guys excited? Yeah, I was intrigued. Cool. I like to get some backstory on him. But yeah. yeah. But that doesn't mean that it justifies how they're portraying him in the present. <laughs> so you're still not a fan? So can you nope. just clarify for me? So Nobody's called him Kingpin in this series so far, right? Like this is just, yeah. you're basing that on the comic? So yeah. he's just Strafisk. He's just Wilson Fisk, yeah. I, so I me, keep calling him Kingpin. Just... Yeah, I call yeah. him Kingpin yeah. just because that's what I know him as, which I shouldn't really because okay. he is Wilson Fisk. He's not the Kingpin. Okay, but for me, yeah, I was really intrigued because I thought, great, let's find out what shaped this guy, mm-hmm. him and his tantrums, to figure out why he is the way he is and what his real agenda is because I don't, I don't believe him when he says, I just want to make the city a better place. Yeah, I don't believe you. <laughs> so, right, so we'll see. To me, it's like I've re- I've read comics. I've never read uh, a Kingpin origin story, so this is all this is all new to me, and I don't know how close it is to the comics at all. Maybe you'll tell us in Easter eggs or something. Maybe. Um, but um, it it makes it makes the portrayal of Wilson in the present. And that's probably maybe maybe to get the right mindset is just to call him Wilson <laughs> from yeah, now on because yeah. he's not the Kingpin yet. Yeah, let's call him Wilson. This is how Kingpin got his group back. This is yeah. How Kingpin got his group back. That's hilarious. Oh man, I'm afraid man, of his group now. <laughs> I think Vanessa is going to be a lot of what turns him into that cold 
calculating son of a bitch. Like. You kind of see that already. She's going a bit Lady Macbeth, which we'll get to later, which yes. I kind mm-hmm. of like. Um, so then we get the credits. And then the next scene is we go to Matt's apartment and it's obviously, you know, the next morning and his apartment's completely trashed. Um, he's got, you know, obviously from the fight with Stick. And as he leaves, we see the little bracelet on the sideboard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's having a bad time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and also his, like, little talking alarm clock seemed like really old like it didn't seem very very new i was like oh he can't like i don't know it was just a nice detail like he can't afford another one like he's had that one for years you know he can't afford (laughs) any more up-to-date tech yeah it it looked looked a little scuffed up it was kind of large you know everything today would be so compact yeah Yeah. he got that in the 80s back at st agnes (laughs) (laughs) yes they just gave him a second hand one Um, let me cut Can to... I ask a, a dumb question? Just because. Sure. Oh, no, I was going to ask about the bracelet because I was Sorry. But I thought in the scene when, when Stick tried to give it back to him, I thought it got crumpled or something. Like that thing looked perfectly intact. Uh, so I'm well, confused. Yeah. Plus, I mean, is it really supposed to be the one that he gave to him as a boy? Because cause Stick originally did crumple that one up. He did. Yeah, um, he didn't crumple it up in the last in the last um, uh, episode, like you know, in yeah, the present like, day. Yeah, like, yeah, like Matt said, you could un- uncrumple it, and I know. just didn't think he took it with him. That's why I was confused. I didn't think way back in the past that Stick took the thing with him. I thought he crumpled well, he must it. Must have went back for it. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Or it's a different one and Stick's just messing with him. Yeah. Well, he recreated it. I, I'm, you know what? I'm, I just think Stick's manipulative, so that's why I'm asking. <laughs> Stick is manipulative. Really trust him. Like, you know, and yeah. I think a lot of the bits that Matt says in this scene coming up, um, I've got one as a quote, I think, you can kind of see that he's obviously still bitter about his his conversation, like feeling betrayed by Stick the day before. You know, mm-hmm. he, said, he said something anyway, but we'll get to that later. Okay, um, sorry. That's okay. So Skipping ahead, <laughs> Skipping ahead to the next scene. Karen and Bobby are in the office, and they're arguing about whether or not they should tell Matt about Ben. And mm-hmm. Matt is quite pissy. Um, and this is, oh, this is what he says. He says, everybody seems like a good guy until they aren't. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Matt's still pissed about Stick. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Matt's super pissy in this scene. Mm-hmm. But you can kind of understand, because obviously he wants to protect them. I like I the fact that funny. they're all on the same page now. Um, on the same Karen page? <laughs> they're not all on page yet. But, uh, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, hey, she made the joke. I just went with and it. And the puns uh, begin. <laughs> no, no, no. Claire started that one. <laughs> I, I, but uh, it's it's great. It's like Matt's, Matt's uh, kind of uh, being a control freak as well. He's like, listen, I don't want you guys uh, putting yourself in danger. That's what I do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm the one who skulks. I'm allowed to do that. I thought it was funny when Garen says to him, oh, what happened? Did you fall down again? And I'm thinking, how many times can he use that excuse? You were wondering earlier in the the season about, you know, will they find out his true identity this season? I'm thinking, well, evidently not, because they believe the lame excuse that he keeps falling down. If you ever want to, like, laugh about that, Moira, read some very early issues of of Daredevil, because it is hilarious, because it is just him coming in every day, and they're like, what happened? He's like, oh, I walked into a door, and it's like, what? Oh, and in the same vein, okay, I have a question for you, Clara, because I'm confused about this. Uh, All right. Um, He works as a lawyer by day. He's Daredevil by night. 
When does he sleep? And how many hours does he get? And how does he actually repair himself physiologically if he only sleeps for like three hours? Oh, uh, he's an insomniac, I guess. I've been on like four hours sleep a night for the last week, so <laughs> it can be done. I, I'm now sick, but you know, uh, I don't know. He's, uh, I guess he he hasn't got one of those fancy tanks like Ben Affleck has in the film to help sleep, so he just sleeps when he can. Okay, I'm just, yeah, I just yeah. wondered if it ever gets addressed because yeah, he's burning yeah. the Tesla. I'm thinking lawyering all day until like maybe like 7 p.m. Then he goes home, grabs a bite to eat. Then he's strictly like crime fighting until maybe like 1 a.m. and then oh, gets see. like a nice solid like five hours. He goes to the gym after work as well. Remember? <laughs> oh yes. right, 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 right. Yeah, okay. We just have to all think. Right. He's basically exactly like Bobby Briggs at Twin Peaks in that he's managed to invent the 48-hour day. Mm-hmm. Right, oh and God. I never, and I, and I never, and I never finished Twin Breaks, so I don't know who that is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you have a character who, like, what did he, what did Bobby Briggs in Twin Peaks do before school every day, Matt? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> Matt, he, he went to football practice. He, he, went, jog, he went jogging, didn't he? Maybe. Yeah, he went jogging. He went, for, went out for breakfast. He goes out for breakfast. He probably like, had sex with Shelly before. He yeah. with Shelly. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It, all, I don't know. There's a bunch of things he did before school started every day. Yeah. Every day. Probably, probably like did a drug deal or two. Yeah. He's like that ad for the, for the armed forces that says, we do more by 6 a.m. than most people do in the day. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a good thing. <laughs> anyway. Based on Bobby Briggs, that advert. Wow. And Matt Murdock. Okay. And Matt Murdock. Um, yeah, well, he's amazing, so. He is, oh, he's amazing. Yeah. He's my, he's my boy. Uh, <laughs> so in the next scene, Nobu, Fisk, and Wesley are meeting in a warehouse. And Nobu, we get some of Nobu's awesome glaring, because he's great at glaring. Um, <laughs> we find out that Black Sky was killed, so no, uh, Stick didn't lie about going to kill uh, Black Sky, mm-hmm. and that they're extremely rare. And um, Nobu, obviously, is getting a bit impatient uh, with uh, Fisk. And Wesley doesn't like the way Nobu speaks to Fisk. What do you guys think of this scene? Wesley has a crush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does. I love how protective Wesley is of Wilson. It's great. I hope they give us some kind of backstory to explain how those two got together. Yeah. How they became lovers? <laughs> well, practically. Because um, with, with Fisk's tantrum-esque properties... Mm-hmm. I'm sort of amazed he hasn't already clobbered Wesley at least once by now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? He would have lost Peyton, particularly when half the time Wesley's coming up to Fisk going, there's a situation, there's been a problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, and, the worst. Get out of here. Wesley has this sort of uh, smug superiority, mm-hmm. you know, way of being with everybody. I mean, I know he considers himself his friend. It's a very strange relationship. I just, I just hope they at some point give us a bit of background on Wesley because I, I would like to know from whence he came. I'm <laughs> yeah. fascinated by their relationship. Yeah, I feel like maybe they traveled the world together at some point and learned all the languages. <laughs> well, I think Wesley had no idea. <laughs> I think Wesley had no idea that Wilson spoke other. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. I got the impression that uh, Fisk had kept that information from him. I didn't think so. No. Uh. Well, I don't know. That's I didn't start off. No. no skipping ahead. <laughs> no skipping ahead. This podcast, Moira. How dare you? <laughs> it was Robin this time. <laughs> I figured out who my favorite character is, Moira. Okay, okay, go. Who? She Hulk. Oh. She Hulk. Yeah. I like She Hulk. I've never seen you read any of the comics. I have some. 
But she, <laughs> she, she's also a lawyer. She-Hulk yeah. is also a lawyer, but she's also a Hulk. But mm-hmm. unlike Bruce Banner, who is unlike Bruce Banner, who's like all like, oh, I don't want to get angry and turn into the Hulk. She's like, this is great. I love being a Hulk. I'm gonna stay at the Hulk form. I'm gonna player. And she's also like Deadpool. In well, mm-hmm. she will break the fourth wall and like talk to the listener directly and like reach across panels and stuff. I can't believe you're like she. <laughs> That's so cool. That, I, I feel like. I don't even know you. <laughs> she's, she's empowered, it sounds like. She's, you know, in yeah. control. She's she's badass. That's cool. Yeah. What I love about She-Hulk is she is, she, I mean, she's badass anyway, but she's also like a lawyer and she's respected as a lawyer. So she's mm-hmm. really intelligent and she has absolutely no body issues. She's like, yeah, I don't look like your typical woman because she's really like muscly and big like a bodybuilder. And she's just like, yeah, this is who I am. And I'm like, yeah, she hope you're awesome. So I approve of your pick, Matt. Yay. Yay. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Why is it weird? I don't know. I wasn't expecting you to pick She-Hulk at all. Who are you expecting? I don't know. Runner, runner up is Cyclops. Ah. You don't like Cyclops? Oh, he's a bit whiny. Yeah, he's turned into a weirdo lately, but he used to be cool. Yeah, he did used to be cool. <laughs> okay, so in the next scene... We get Melanie, the- is re- Melanie is really weirded out by the shield. <laughs> 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 You're going to have to paint yourself green, Mel. Gonna <laughs> I'm going to have to read some of these comics to see what you were talking about, because I never expected She-Hulk to be this awesome character. I always kind of wrote her off She-Hulk, whatever. It's well. just a shitty byproduct of the Hulk. <laughs> Oh, no, I just I, explained her. I explained why she's awesome. Yeah, yeah, she sounds awesome, but I mean, uh, she never seemed that awesome to me. She seemed like a big green woman. I don't know. I would definitely recommend Mel. If you want to read some She-Hulk, read the most recent run of I She-Hulk. Can't. There's only about 12 issues. Why? I cannot. I cannot. I hate that artist. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, the artwork is very... Mm, but the, the writing is excellent <laughs> because mm. it's um, it was written by Charles Soule, who, before he wrote... Uh, well, it, he basically is an attorney, and he's writing for She-Hulk, which is why I really want him to write for Daredevil at some point. But he writes her as an attorney first, and she's just awesome. But the art, I don't mind some of it. I like some bits of it, but it is very Marmite. People I just love, other- I love the covers of... Mm-hmm. I love the covers. I like. I love the latest cover of She Hulk. I thought it was great, but I was and I looked inside. And I was like, ew. Yeah, well, yeah. I, the art is so bad. <laughs> I just can't read. Like, I can't. That's why I don't read comic books because the art is usually so bad inside. Mm-hmm. I just can't deal with bad art. Like, yeah, I'll um. Like, I love that cover. That kay. was a great cover. So this this is the cover of the comic that we're talking about. I just posted it, and or then you when you tell us what you think, and then oh, I just don't like her and then face. so oh. that 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 is a beautiful cover, mm-hmm. and then uh, look, her hands are not even the same size, and then <laughs> and then when you open it up, when you open oh, it up, wow. it's this art. When you open it up, it's this art. Yeah, check, check that second I just one. Don't like the like her uh. hands are not the same size. <laughs> She's got one tiny hand and one gigantic hand. <laughs> Mel, you're so angry. <laughs> it makes me very angry. Oh, oh my she looks like she's like her eyes are all like derp. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, I would very much recommend the writing though, because the writing is excellent. Oh, 
Okay, well. Oh, give me a She-Hulk novel then, and maybe. <laughs> How about one day I will record an extra episode, even though it's nothing to do with Defenders, and I will just read the issues to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <Aww>. <laughs> <laughs> and it will be like Defenders podcast bedtime stories of she And if, if you keep this in for the listeners, I will post the the things we're talking about in the group, okay. and you guys can check I'll them probably, out. I'll probably keep you, it. You people, you people listening can check it out. You, <laughs> you people. Well, I had a little trouble clicking on the second link. I accidentally cut cut me off from you and then had to rejoin. But anyway, the first one is gorgeous. The second one looks she looks like a weird green elf. Yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, okay, a chubby green elf, but still. Oh. Her eyes yeah. are they never focus quite in the right spot. She is always looking like <laughs> to the le- left and the right. Yeah. <laughs> All the characters. Wow. Looks like that Fiona book. from Shrek in the in the latest. Uh, <laughs> yes, she does. I just don't like it. Yeah, but the I like her when she's stunning. like I'm reading like earlier Avengers, like earlier 2000 Avengers, and that's the way I like She Hulk. Like she's like a freaking just a you know bodybuilder. Um, yeah, there was a great great one where she just like lost total control. She's probably done that a lot of times though. And they had to talk her back down. Anyway, sorry. It's all right. No one cares. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I just want, I would love her to be written into the Marvel Cinematic Universe somehow. I don't think she will because they have Hulk and I don't think they're going to go the way of kind of having, you know, a, the female version of Hulk, um, even though She-Hulk is awesome, because I would love to see her and Matt Murdock go up in court, to, you know, against each other, um, yeah. because I, I love that when that happens in the comics. Yeah, I think, I think you're right in that they won't ever use her just because most people probably see her the way Melanie sees her. Oh, she's just some weird green woman spin-off Hulk. Yeah, and also with the Marvel <laughs> films as well, it's, you know, it's still very much like the the superheroes, the existence of them are, isn't really public knowledge. And that's one of the things with She-Hulk is that her she doesn't have a secret identity. She Her identity is just out there, you know, and she works as a lawyer, even though she's like giant and green, you know. Um, yeah. It doesn't really fit in with the Marvel movies, but I would She I would doesn't have to, to be giant and green. She just likes to, so she does. Yeah, she's <laughs> yeah. awesome. She can turn back, but she kind of doesn't like herself when she's a puny Jennifer Walters. If you could be giant and green, uh, you should be giant and green, because it, it's... <laughs> anyway, let's get Words to, to live by. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just waiting for uh, Stan Lee Hulk to come back. Oh, you can play Lego Marvel for that if you want. We can turn into... Oh, really? Yeah, if you play the Lego Marvel game, you can turn into um, Stan Lee Hulk, and you can also... Um, shoot as uh stanley you can shoot webs and swing across the city like spider-man <laughs> nice yeah it's pretty cool uh so we get our first flashback anyway of little little wilson fisk um and in this one i like that it's it feels very 70s like and particularly at yeah. the location in new york it just it feels very authentic which i like we meet uh fisk's dad and they set up that there's a hammer and a saw it's chekhov's hammer and saw in this scene and we get a mention of Rigoletto. So what did you guys think of little Wilson Fisk? Because I think this kid is fantastic. I think he's so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, played by uh, Cole Jensen, by the way. I looked up some cast members because there was another one that pops up later that I I was very happy to see. <laughs> um, but uh, funny thing is, uh, Cole um, did a f- several episodes of the uh, law drama The Defenders. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Three years ago. He's only going to be in stuff that's to do with the Defenders. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, no, I, I thought he was great. Yeah. Yeah. He's, oh, I feel so bad for him in this episode. 
Like yeah. as soon as you see this flashback, you like immediately go, "Okay, this is this is what we're seeing in Vincent D'Onofrio's eyes as he's playing Wilson. This yeah. is this is the little hurt little boy that's mm-hmm. trying to be a man still." Yeah, and Vincent D'Onofrio described Fisk when he was interviewed at New York Comic Con as a child and a monster, and you mm-hmm. and you really see how he's playing that, particularly in this episode because he is like he's still this kid you know I, I love well he's so yeah he's still so in a way weird way vulnerable and wounded and searching kind of mm. yeah and there was a lot of people who were wondering if Vincent D'Onofrio was playing the role like I've discussed it since if Vincent D'Onofrio is playing the role as though Wilson Fisk is on the spectrum like uh, like he he may be autistic, but I honestly don't think he is. I think he's playing mm. as just someone who is very very damaged. Yeah. I would just say damaged. Yeah, yeah. he doesn't strike I'm me as autistic. You're shy. Would you like some zupa? <laughs> <laughs> His mom looks really familiar. I'm gonna look her up right now. Cool. I didn't look at look her up. I'm a terrible host. <laughs> I can tell you, her, her, his, his dad, played by Dominic uh, Lombardozzi from yeah. The Wire. Oh. Played Herc, and he was also in Breakout Kings. Started Breakout That's Kings. Started played by. Yeah, he's he's a he's great. He's definitely very. Uh, um, he's got that city thing going mm. for him. He's yeah, he's quite the scumbag in this episode. Oh yeah, <laughs> horrible. He's, he's it's so well done. Oh god, yeah. Yeah. Um. So next we see Wilson is on the phone to Vanessa, and he talks about his time abroad in Asia. Um, and they find out that Detective Blake has just woken up and that uh, Fisk says to set a meeting with Hoffman. You know that's not going to end well. So could you guys remember who Blake was? Yeah. <laughs> Good. Because <laughs> obviously I watched them all one after the other. So, But I do wonder if, like, on a week-by-week basis, if you're like, who's Blake? But, yeah. Well, yeah, I well, remember. I, I can't forget <laughs> him because I've been watching Sopranos and he's been in... Actually, he was in a, just like he was killed in 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 the Sopranos episode we watched on this same week as he was killed in this. <laughs> in the in the Sopranos episode, he like the, his uh, his last one, he was like ice and he like nerves were getting to him and he like while these guys were cracking a safe in one corner, he was off in the other corner, uncontrollably shitting on the floor. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> That's funny that it's like you've watched both episodes like in the same week where he's died. <laughs> you should like yeah. send him a tweet and be like, "We've had a week of watching you die." <laughs> <We're> like, oh, <laughs> you die very well. Oh, cheers. Yeah. Um, so Matt, Karen, and Foggy are in the office, and uh, Matt is reading Braille again, but this time using the I don't know what they're called, but like the little Braille translator that translates text from a, a computer. Um, and they're talking about Confederate global investments. Well, not really much in that scene. I have two quotes. I have a quote, though, because it made me laugh. Um, it's a foggy quote, Mel. Yeah, that's right. Whatever. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Speaking um, of foggy, just for, mm-hmm. I forgot to mention it, but we haven't had too much of the three friends here, like, bonding. We haven't had too many scenes of all three of our main good guys, like, hanging out. It's usually just Foggy and Karen and Matt's off on his own. Mm. Well, not since the the uh, first episode where they sort of had dinner, you know, and that, that ends. Yeah, I, I feel like we don't have enough time with them getting to know them. Really and we care about their group. Yeah, and we also don't have enough time with him being a lawyer. Like, I never She'd thought like I'd say... More of that. Yeah. I never thought I'd say I want more <laughs> but I want more court scenes. I want wacky court scenes. <laughs> <laughs> One of the Season things I definitely want... Season 2 should be 22 want. episodes. <laughs> 
No, that never works. Yes. I don't want no, that. No, 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 bad. Ooh, bad. No. says never works. Also, because I had just sort of watched all these back to back to catch up. Um, there was when the uh, Russians started. Sorry, when Fist started blowing up all the Russian places and. Mm-hmm. Karen and Foggy were at um, that woman's apartment, and then they said, oh, I guess this is really a date, right? They they never followed up on that. Like, they that got dropped. And I'm like, wait. And I, so I was expecting to see some little scene, like even, you know, in this episode where in the morning when they're talking about the coffee or something, I was expecting to see a bit of a follow-up to that, and they just sort of, it just died. Well, he's kind of, Foggy's kind of been friend-zoned again. Yeah. Um, you know, but... But I don't quite know but why. How because he did why. save her in the last episode. So. I know. So I, I, yeah, I was just a little perplexed because I didn't, I didn't see, uh, I didn't see a shift where that clearly happened. Anyway, whatever. I just thought I, it was kind I, of funny. I mean, when she was talking to Elena and Elena's like, Foggy, senior Foggy likes you. And she's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it seemed like yeah. it was still a surprise to her. Yeah. Anyway. So if you were Karen, Moira, would you pick senior Murdoch or senior Foggy? Senior Foggy. Huh. Oh, it's not even a contest. Murdoch. Murdoch. <laughs> even though he's, like, going around beating people up and stuff. Uh, well, you know, I'd chat with them and discuss that. We'd we, we figure something out. <laughs> I know. for a little adventure. Foggy is sort of like a sweet puppy to me, okay? I can't take him seriously as a love interest. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's just puppy he's dog. Kind, he's the kind of guy that makes cupcakes for all of his uh, friends that are girls. Oh, I'd love to see that. That'd be so cool. He angry. makes cupcakes hoping that they'll, you know, get with them. And then they're just like, oh, you're so sweet. You made me a cupcake. Thanks. You'll, you'll always be like a brother to me. <laughs> He's a bit of a, of a friend zone professional, maybe, you know? Yeah. I, I know, I know, like, I know of a few guys that do that. They they make cupcakes for girls. and then, <laughs> is, that, is that how Matt wooed you, Mel? <laughs> No, actually, never. He made me spaghetti. Oh. <laughs> that's how you like Lady in the Tramp. Oh. That's how you win uh. a man over, is you, you, you make him food. No, no, wrong. No. No, my really? husband, no, my husband cooked for me on one of our first dates, and I thought, oh, this guy can cook. That's a good skill to have. No, that's no, true. No. If he can cook good. Very sexy men cook for you, Robin. Mm. <laughs> yeah, if they can cook Robin. good, I, that's, that's probably not a if they cook terribly, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it is. That would win me over because I can't. Well, I can cook. I just can't be bothered because I'm lazy. So if someone like could cook, I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, they're a keeper. But Foggy isn't exactly helping his case much because, I mean, at the beginning of this episode, he's telling her that her coffee baking sucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that's so kind of where honest, I was going with it. Because I thought, okay, if you're actually interested in her, Foggy, not that he should lie to her, but I just think the way he goes about, the, about it is a bit... Um, uh, it's not very smooth. <laughs> yeah. So I th- I kind of thought he'd given up on any thought of anything happening between them. Maybe. 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 Maybe there's um I don't know. Maybe he's got a secret love. He's no. resort- he'd, he'd be broadcasting it. <laughs> he's resorting to using negs. He's playing the game. <laughs> oh my god, Matt. <laughs> oh. It's true. He is being a player. You think, you know, you'd you think he's still after Karen, but he's just negging her, you think? <laughs> you'd be sexier if you made better coffee. <laughs> I would? i got to try to make better coffee. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, God. Um, so, in the next scene, uh, Fisk meets with Hoffman and basically is like, uh, even though you guys have been friends for 35 years, how much would it take for you to kill him? 
And we don't find out how much, but then obviously Hoffman does go to the hospital to kill Blake. Kind of felt bad, though, when they were like, how much, and he just kind of broke down. Yeah. Kind of awful. Yeah, he Mm -hmm. plays it very well. Yeah. That's exactly what, like, like my wife and I were watching this, and my wife's like, wow, these... Wilson's a freaking jerk from trying to make it. I'm like, these guys were just mercilessly killing other cops, like innocent people, left and right with no problems, and now we're feeling mm-hmm. bad for them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, you know, I do feel bad for them, though. If you were that guy, though, you would probably take the money, because if you said, no, I'm not going to do it, they would kill would you. Still kill you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is, a way, this is a way to get out with your life and some money. <laughs> yeah, you can't be him. I mean... That's why he was upset. You know, you can't win. He yeah. knew that he had no choice. Yeah. 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 It's awful. It's awful. I love how sympathetically Wilson plays it, though. He's just like, you know, we don't want to do this, but we have to do this, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love it. Uh, did anyone else get freaked out by how much the cop in the hospital sniffed the sub that Hoffman brought in? I was like, I wrote in my notes, don't go sniffing another man's stuff. <laughs> it's like, mm, it this up. smells lovely. Yeah, I know it's not a, it's something he's going to eat, but I was like, that's gross. What are you doing? Your <laughs> personal boundaries. Yeah. Oh, God. Back off. Get your own sandwich. Yeah, it kind of weirded me out. I was like, ooh, no. Don't go breathing your germs all over the sub. Ugh. <laughs> So um, I I like the the bit when Blake actually speaks to Matt and he says, "Is it my turn for this?" I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, and, sorry. Well, I just want to mention really quick. Matt Matt actually says like later to um, Ben that he gave up Leland, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what? Yeah. Was he lying to Ben later? Maybe. He, he wants he wants something from Ben. He's trying to convince Ben to write the story. So uh, whether he's got the evidence or not, which he doesn't really, Matt mm-hmm. is going to be like, uh, yeah, I've totally got the evidence. And you would think like, that he, he, you think he would care about that, seeing as he's a lawyer. But you know, Matt, Vladimir gave up gave up uh, Leland, not mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Blake. But he's, yeah, but he's probably not at this point going to tell Ben. Oh, by the way, yeah, I was with Vladimir as well when he died and he did this. I mean, he just said I didn't kill the Russians. Um, he's as he said he earlier in the episode, he's making it he's making it up as he goes along, mm-hmm. which were, I love. They were they were trapped in the building together, and it was documented on. <laughs> on yeah, the news. But I, I think he, he's just saying anything at this point. They were talking about Blake, and he's just like, yeah, yeah, no, I know this. Yeah. Right, go and write it. You what know. did you guys think was hiding in the sub? <laughs> I'm just curious what you guys guessed. Uh, I, I guess An the engineer, syringe. a captain, the first officer. <laughs> I thought it would either be like a billy club inside a sub, and you would like beat him up with the sub, <laughs> or that the sub itself was poisonous, <laughs> or he just shoves it in his mouth and chokes it. Could <laughs> have done that. I, I guess it was a syringe, like honest, like when I watched it, because I was like, well, there's only so many things you can sneak in. They have a uh, uh, they have a propensity to want to use syringes on this show for things. They do. Yeah. Oh, the Russians like, like pump, them. What if they're like pumpkin bombs, but they're meatball bombs? <gasps> oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> but you know, for a minute, I got confused because when he put the syringe into his IV, and then suddenly he wakes up and says, "Hey, what are you doing?" I thought, for a minute, "Wait a minute, did he just give him adrenaline? Are we doing the adrenaline trick again? Like what? What? You know, it, it confused me for a minute." It's the dramatic Super tension, yeah. Moira. Yeah, what, okay. what, what did he put in there, anyways? What kind I, of a- well, the, here's the thing. Okay, you want to kill somebody, 
and they're lying there unconscious, just get a syringe of potassium, sodium, whatever, potassium chloride, and pump it full of that, and he'll be dead in about 30 seconds. Like, you don't, it's not difficult. So this, is Moira's, this is Moira's murder school. It's like, yeah, he should have been dead, like, immediately. Yeah. Well, also, Matt act- says to him, it's reached your heart, and by the time it's reached his heart, surely he should have died instantly, and he kind of is alive for a bit longer. And Matt sort of says to him, oh, tell me everything you know about Fisk, and I'm like, well, if it's reached his heart, there's no way he can tell you everything he knows about Fisk, because he's literally dead in a few seconds. <laughs> tell me everything you know about Fisk. He's fat. <laughs> <laughs> he's bald. <laughs> <laughs> He has a kimono. Ah, that's scary. <laughs> he nests in a bunch of suits. <laughs> he likes eggs for breakfast. <laughs> he eats omelets every morning. <laughs> oh, that'd be so cool. Um, so, in the next scene, we're in Mr. Potter's workshop. Um, Robin, were you singing and dancing in your seat at the scene? I was, like, at first it's like, oh my god. Melvin Potter. And then I'm like, oh my god, is Leland getting an owl suit? <laughs> please. So, please. So obviously, Potter has been mentioned earlier when um, uh, Fisk got his suit damaged, and you could see that material underneath, and you guys were asking about, and he was like, oh, I need another suit from Mr. Potter. Um, but this is, this is Mr. Potter, and he is a character from the comics. I can't remember how much I... I sort of mentioned him before, but his name's Melvin Potter. He's obviously in the comics. And he. there are a lot of Easter eggs in this scene, and some of which we'll get to later. Um, yeah. But what did you guys think about this when Leland is being all sarky while he's getting measured for his suit? I was just, per, I was just like, transfixed by Mr. Potter, and I was like, where have I seen him? Ah. And, and I just looked it up right now, and I saw him on Dexter as race. Oh, I think Melvin's played by Matt Gerald, who played uh, White Power Dave in uh, Hail to the King, the Marvel short with uh, Ben Kingsley. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, and I didn't know if that was an Easter egg, but uh, but yeah, also like I just want to see, I just want to see, you know, that big meeting place where like he's like, well, this is why are we meeting here? This is terrible. So it's like like a half built skyscraper. Mm-hmm. I want us to see Leland there again, and then all of a sudden, like as, after the meeting, he just turns, spreads his arms, wings drop, and he just falls off the building. I <laughs> want to see him fly away after every scene. Like that's yes. what I want to see is just him fly away, and go wee. <laughs> yeah, but he threatens Fisk in this scene. It's pretty cool. Like Fisk is really losing his power because like he gets threatened by Owsley. So can somebody explain to me? Um, Leland is the money guy who mm-hmm. moves the money around and knows where the money is. So are we talking about what's what's the woman's name? The sinister Madame woman. Gao. Yeah. Are we talking about Madame Gao's empire? Like I was, I'm trying to understand Fisk's relative place in the pecking order. Obviously, Madame Gao is up high mm-hmm. because he's awfully respectful and deferential to her. Mm-hmm. Which, as an aside, I'd really love to know how this chick doesn't get knocked off by anybody because what's her story? But anyway, so he's the money guy. I don't know why he gets away with. Yeah, like has he been around for thirty years doing this, and this is why he's indispensable? Well, he's the, he's the money guy. Madam, they say Madam Gao is it's her product because it's right. her heroin. Which and then the Russians were doing the distribution using no, the, no, the taxes. 
Um, okay, I understand that, but what I mean mm-hmm. is normally to me the money guy is the person that just works for Mr. or Mrs. Big, mm-hmm. and he in and of himself is usually a cowering, you know, um, academic head who doesn't really have any kick-ass qualities of his own, and mm-hmm. so normally they're not somebody that would be so outspoken. That's why it's it's, it's a different twist. Like, mm-hmm. he seems quite powerful in his own. I think and part I think of it he, as well with Fisk is that he's so... Like, obviously, Owsley knows who Fisk is. He knows his name. And that has power over Fisk because Fisk is so worried about being out in the open, which is why when he becomes out in the open at the end of the episode, it's a big thing for him. And it's not like he can just dispense with Owsley because Owsley is the money guy and is obviously very good at what he does. And they mention later Mm -hmm. he's on Wall Street. You know, he's this big money guy. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think part of that is it is as well. Um, but obviously it pisses off Wesley because Wesley's like, oh, I don't like the way, you know, you get spoken to by all these people like Nobu and, but, and Owsley and stuff. But as to what you've alluded to earlier, it seems like Fisk is still kingpin, kingpin in the making. Like he's still mm-hmm. almost um, getting his feet wet or figuring this out, which when I first started watching this, I somehow thought he was already a more complete top-notch mobster guy, you know, or bad mm-hmm. guy. So it's interesting to me. It's like an interesting nuance that I'm realizing, no, 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 he doesn't have it all figured out yet. He's still learning. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's one of the things. I, yeah. I, I love that. I love this take on Kingpin. That, on yeah. Kingpin on Pin. You know, I know you won't, even look her, you won't even look her in the eyes. Like, uh, uh, uh. He's like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, interesting. Okay, thanks. That's okay. And we do get Owsley. I'm satisfied with it if if they kill Fisk off at the end of the season and we don't see, like, a nice season of, like, fully formed Kingpin. Like, he turns into fully formed Kingpin for an, for an episode, gets murdered, and end of season one. <laughs> I don't I don't think they're going to do that. <laughs> the last scene of episode 13, Robin. Spoilers. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they would have taken all this time to give us all this background and nuances of him and subtleties to just rub him out at the end of the season. He better put on a white suit at the end. There was no white suits. <laughs> there was no white suits no. in his wardrobe at all. There, there yeah. were not. Maybe that's what'll happen. Maybe he's going to transform and flip. Suddenly they're all white instead of black one day. Would you Would you like to know if there is a white suit or not, Matt? Didn't she give well, him Didn't no. she give him a gray suit in the end? Yeah, he has a gray suit now, not a white suit. It's not white. Yeah, but it's slowly transitioning. (laughs) Like, you know, he's lowering the opacity of his suit. Yeah. 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 Lowering the opacity of his suit, yeah. He'd be wearing a suit. He'd be wearing a see-through suit. (laughs) Just working in Photoshop. I will neither confirm nor deny that he ends up in a white suit. But what about what about a suit a suit like made out of a rain poncho that you can see through? He ends up in a suit made out of um out of cling film. Anyway, in there was one bit in this scene I wanted to know what you guys thought because Owsley says the situation is being handled just not by you. Right. Du, du, du. Right. Mm, Which is when I works. really got it. That yeah, that's when I really got it. That he's he's. There are other forces at work here. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So we get another flashback, and it's little Wilson Fisk with his mum eating Zupa. Um. 
Yeah, and uh, and they go and take care of Bernie Walker, and they keep kicking him. Oh. I listened to the uh, auda- uh, audacity. Whoa, what's wrong with me? Um, the audio description mm-hmm. uh, for this episode, and uh, as he is kicking um, Bernie, uh, the audio description says his rage surges through his feet. <laughs> it really <Yeah>. does. <laughs> what did you guys think of this scene? I thought it was mean. Yeah. I don't mm. like the dad. The dad is... Oh, I feel so bad for little little Willie. It, it reminds yeah. me of when they talk about people who abuse their dogs, you know, and they take a dog breed and turn it mean by being mean to it. Yeah. It made me think that he's, he's warping his son to turn him into a monster. That's all I could think. Because yep. he seems like a, a good kid. You know? Yeah, well, he, he does. be a good kid. A man. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's just a gross line anyway. It's like, he, mm-hmm. he reminds. Uh, speaking of Sopranos again, <laughs> young mm-hmm. Wilson Fisk reminds me of Anthony Junior. Oh, but but his but his Wilson Fisk's dad is like worse than Tony Soprano. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's good to say, but it's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Fisk wakes up. This is obviously another dream he's had. And we get the morning routine again. <laughs> but this time he gets a phone call from Wesley that says that Gal wants to meet, and Fisk wants Wesley to be there first. And I put a little heart in my notes for that, because I was like, oh. <laughs> I, love their, I love their relationship so much. I think it's adorable. Can, can, can you be there to help me? Yeah, to translate. And when we find out, when she does arrive, that uh, that Wesley's not needed to be there to translate. And his face, when he he's like, yeah. oh, crap. <laughs> I love it. It's just like, well, I'm useless. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, what did you think about this scene between uh, Gao and Fisk? I liked it. Mm, yeah. Good. She's, yeah. I like, she's she like her. All the languages. Yeah. yeah how's that possible? Mm. Well, who knows in her background? But I, I just love her very, her quiet dangerousness. Yes. Um, I feel like she's almost at some point she's almost flirting with him in a weird way. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> It's really strange, yeah. but I kind of I find that intriguing. It's more like yeah, like more like toying with him, like like because she yeah. can say, oh, this is very pleasant. This is pleasant. She's like a cat playing with a mouse. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, she is. Yeah, but yeah. she's she, she's totally got all the power there. Well, yeah. you have Nobu. Nobu threatens Fisk, and Leland threatens Fisk, and they both kind of. Like, Nobu gets quite angry and aggressive, and Leland kind of is very mm-hmm. snarky mm-hmm. to him. But Gal doesn't need to do that. She mm-hmm. just has to remain calm because she's so dangerous. No. I love it. Yeah. 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 I feel like she's yeah, the most she's interesting the of all the bad, the bad guys. Yeah. 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 I, I don't I find Leland interesting at all. I don't care about yeah. Nobu, but her, I find her really interesting. Me too. Because, again, I'd love to know her backstory. She's, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and well, she switches a, between well, Mandarin and Japanese as well. We yeah, find out that yeah. Fisk speaks both, which is yeah. cool. He, you could tell that uh, Vincent D'Onofrio was struggling with his Mandarin pronunciation. Yes, though. I know. It sounded so English. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure I've, I've read something about this scene in that he had an earpiece and he was being fed the lines oh. and repeating them. So it was quite hard because obviously yeah. it's... Um, it's a oh, lot yeah, it's, of, not an, it's not an easy language. It's like completely yeah. opposite of mm-hmm. English. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I love that he flipped a table. That's that was <laughs> get out, get out, get out, get out. <laughs> it's just like it's my favorite thing. Like I can't believe he actually flipped the table. That's great. Oh, yes. It's so internet. Well, and then I've someone else, and then well, someone else does it later, right? Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> it's a thing. It's a table flipping thing. Uh, Plus, we have the origin of why he eats comfort food from his his past life. He had comfort yeah. food when he was upset from his mom, and apparently, when he has a bad nightmare, he makes an omelet. <laughs> yeah, you would think he would make zupa for breakfast and just be like zupa. Well, <laughs> <laughs> all the time. Maybe. <laughs> so we get the big flashback next, um, mm. which is go and sit and stare at this wall. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll talk about this in one go. If we talk about this in one go, because it's three scenes, really. We have right. one where he's staring at the wall, and then in the present day, Wesley brings Vanessa to Fisk, and then mm-hmm. we get the big... He obviously tells her about yeah. what happened. So, yeah, what did you guys think of this? Cause... I was afraid he's going to throw her out the window. <laughs> <laughs> I okay, like well... she's like, he tells her, and she's like... Yeah, whatevs. <laughs> You're cool. <laughs> I just love her nonchalance about everything. Cool, cool story, bro. <laughs> I love like uh, her faces. When, she actually Vanessa, scares me. <laughs> she scares me. Yeah. When Vanessa because comes she's, in, she's, the audio yeah. description actually says he's hunched like a like a naughty child. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, brother, that's not exactly their relationship. <laughs> it's okay. It is really peculiar. She, I would like to know. I mean, if somebody tells her the story, you know, my dad was abusive, and so basically took a hammer and bashed his head in. <laughs> I I would think that might give you pause, but she just takes it in stride. It's like she's wanting to groom him so that she can have a part of his power. So I, she's just she's super creepy to me because. Again, I don't believe for a minute that it's really about caring about him. I think she loves the thought that she's somehow involved in um, something much more powerful than she would ever have on her own. And because of her background, she's told him about, you know, various men. Oh, I'm so attractive. And all these men throw themselves at me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I sleep with some. She just seems very cold and calculating to me. I think that's most maternalistic and caring, but... Yeah, I I, I think yeah. He, I think when he's he's telling her this and it, it has that shot. I mean, maybe it's just because I've seen this episode so many times. But there's that shot of her reacting. I think you can see yeah. the way that I that Zura plays it. Yes. that she is considering what to do. She is like, it's not just like, oh, he can yes. tell me anything and I'll stay. She does make the decision to go. No. Okay. Fine. Yeah. Uh, which I love. Yeah. There so, is some consideration there. Yeah. Yeah. So I think she's uh, quite formidable in her own right. At least that's the way I'm interpreting her. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, what what else, do you guys yeah. think of the scene though, where Fisk kills his dad when he's oh, like shouting, "They keep kicking him." I mean, it's like, oh. It's, Sad. Oh, well, it's oh. him finally. It, you know, all the resentment has built up about having been so cowed by his dad all that time, and it finally comes forth in a huge, furious vengeance. Um, but I think it's interesting. This is kind of weird to me. His dad was making him stare at the wall, which looks exactly like the painting, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. While he's brutalizing his mother. So in my mind, I'm like, wait a minute. Why would you find any comfort in that painting? Wouldn't it? make you go back to that moment and how powerless you felt and how scared you were. Like, I just think that's but maybe that interesting. Him, that reminds him of when he did get his, like, powerful, you know. Yeah. When he but, first became powerful? Yeah, maybe. Because yeah. he said that that about cufflinks remind him that he is not being cruel for cruelty's sake and that he's not his father and he's not a monster. And then okay. in the third episode when he saw the painting and Vanessa asked him how it made him feel, he said, it makes me feel alone. So I I think it's 
it's not a comfort thing so also, much um, as what his dad actually says to him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is uh, stare at the wall and think about the man you want to be. Oh, okay, yeah, that's a good point, because maybe that is exactly it. So he looks at it and thinks, I'm not going to be my father, and I'm not going to, um, you know, be cruel for cruelty's sake because I'm such a small person inside, like meaning his dad really was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So I guess maybe it inspires him in a way, makes mm-hmm. him re- think about what his purpose is, supposedly is, right? Okay, so he, good. Previously, he's always wore him cufflinks, right? Yes. Yeah, so why does he have yes, so many different yes. cufflinks? <laughs> um, I imagine that he's got given them or something, you know, like he's been bought these cufflinks or he has them because it, he's putting on this, he's presenting this um, appearance. Um, but I, I think it's a Dexter thing. I think he's like taking, you know, mementos from his victims. <laughs> <laughs> Every time, instead of blood slides, it's cufflinks. Maybe it it's a part of a cufflink of the month club. Oh, like a subscription? Oh, yeah. That would be cool. Like a set of jellies. <laughs> uh, Matt, I have to ask you, did you notice the twitch of suppressed violence in this scene? Nope. When his I dad did. was lying on the floor, there was a close of his fingers and they twitched with suppressed violence. Uh, are you sure it was suppressed violence? No, I thought that was twitching with body dying. Yeah, this was the last bit of cerebral <laughs> discharge coming out of his brain. That's what no, I thought. No, it was suppressed violence. It's a theme. <laughs> I'm sticking to it. Claire, uh, there is one later in the episode. There is. Well, you can mention it later in the episode. Okay. I mean. <laughs> there is. I thought it was interesting that his mother took took to right away sawing yeah. off the body. She's like, Let's, all right, so we got to do this. Mm-hmm. How things go down in the kitchen. Yeah, crazy. We all know how to get rid of bodies. <laughs> Thanks to Moira, we know how to make bodies as well now. Moira's yeah. murder cast. Oh, God. <laughs> so. I'm excited for my first victim. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm, I'm terrified. Oh, Matt. Matt's backing away right now. Matt, run away. Oh, run away, Matt. He's not even moving, which makes him the perfect target. <laughs> Mel- Mel- Melanie's sight is based on movement. Like a T-Rex? <laughs> yeah, she's a T-Rex. If she's I don't like, or, yes, or Predator or something. <laughs> oh. So she's in the next still. scene, we get Ben in she's the rain. Sniffing. She's oh. sniffing to see if I'm here. I'm not moving. Oh. That's the creepiest sound I've ever heard. <laughs> You're sniffing Matt like that policeman sniffed that she had the meatball she's sandwich. She's a dinosaur. <laughs> she did come from an egg, so yeah. Uh, so next week, Ben is in the rain and Matt visits. So we get the first interaction between Matt Murdock and Ben Urich. So Yay. I was jumping up and down and dancing and singing because this is a big relationship in the comics. And Matt is currently known, uh, Ben says, as the devil of Hell's Kitchen. Um, mm-hmm. And he gives him the name Wilson. Have we heard anyone call him that? Uh, someone already called him the Favorite. devil, but not the yeah. devil of Hell's Kitchen. Right, right. Yeah. Like hell's the de- um, they've called him like various things like the devil and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. So the, the last oh go on we'll go on more sorry no just thinking El Diablo one of the guys remember El Somebody Diablo said. yes so who killed you El Diablo yeah uh, oh a, a, a ninja it was Rex Smith from the 
<laughs> the Incredible Hulk movie. Um, so in the last scene, we get again Fisk waiting and he uh, waking, waiting, Fisk waking, and he looks at the painting, but he doesn't need to because Vanessa is next to him. Okay, and, question, question, okay. halt, halt. Was this, was this guy was this guy a virgin before he met her? I'm being completely serious. He might have been. He could have been because. Because here's the thing, when a man, okay, I can't speak for men, but okay, I've seen in my life experience certain people I've known where they got their first girlfriend and then they thought that the vagina was magical. And so <laughs> they point, they, they think, well, no, they, they get Moira, it friend. is magical. <laughs> well, I know that, but I'm just saying. So, so my point is, okay, so there's Fisk, probably a virgin. She, he finally gets to sleep with somebody. Okay, if she wanted power, boy, she has it now because yep. he's just discovered the magic of the the vagina. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's the magic of the she vagina. Might be one of those that decorates her vagina, like sparkles it and <laughs> it's bedazzled. <laughs> like, like diamond studs on there. Yep. Like, she like, yeah. She festoons yeah. it. She festoons it. Yeah. yeah. Probably. <laughs> that's just a thing. Yeah. I forget what it is, but they some people yeah. glue on little gems and yeah. things. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know. That's right. That's right. Oh. So, okay, maybe it was just me, but I thought, oh my god, he's completely, he's, he's, you know, trapped now, because <laughs> he discovered sex. He's gonna sing Sorry. to her, he's gonna sing, I'm under your spell. I'm just picturing her disrobing, and like, the, the vagina's just glowing, like, like, oh, like, like, oh, it's just like, oh, it's so bright. <laughs> <laughs> it's shiny. Oh, anyway. Okay. Anyway, enough of Vanessa's vagina. Um, so, <laughs> good, good alliteration there. Yeah, thank you very much. So while this this scene is happening, obviously Ben is writing the story about Fisk. Um, and I do think this scene where she's picking out the suit and shirt and everything is, mm-hmm. is adorable. I'm like, oh, you know, because it's for the first time Fisk sees himself in the mirror as he is and not this scared, blood-covered little child. Oh, because he's had sex. Yeah. He's a man now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Fisk on TV says his name publicly and pledges mm. to help Hell's Kitchen. Ben deletes the story and Matt smashes his laptop. Enraged. Yeah. yeah. Poor laptop. Yeah. Matt's yeah. not having a good time. This whole thing just reminded me of the penguin from Batman Returns. <laughs> it is a bit. I'm gonna yeah. run for office. <laughs> maybe, maybe Fisk is gonna run for mayor. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of the sense I had. He was heading that way. Yeah. When he describes uh, Leland, he describes him as a pillar in the financial community. I have never heard anyone described as a pillar in the financial community. It doesn't sound like a good thing to me. But, you know, it's New York, it's Wall Street, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they call him the Wall Street guy earlier. Yeah. I just never thought of people in the financial community as being pillars. (laughs) Maybe. It just seems like someone who would give a, like, you know, someone who's very charitable, you know, they'd be a pillar in the community. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's code for, uh, no, well, it's code for a philanthropist, somebody who, who supports the, the yeah. city. And that guy is savvy enough to probably do exactly that, right? Yeah. To have a good public yeah. persona. Yeah. So, are um, you guys... I know oh, we're Robin. I know we're wrapping things. Oh, sorry. I I know we're wrapping things up, but I had a like a couple more notes here. Um, a I love the fact that like you know, um, Ben and uh, Matt strike up this. You know, you're like, yes, they're finally meeting, and oh, they're gonna they're gonna work together on bringing Fisk down. 
And it's such like a great moment. And then immediately at the end of the episode, it's brought right back down. It's like, yep. oh, I never. <laughs> yeah, get away from completely messed up. I love it. Oh, and also when he says to Ben, um, you know, you something like you come highly recommended, or I have friends who respect you, or something like that. And earlier in one of your episodes, you guys were predicting that Ben would figure out who mm-hmm. Daredevil really is. Well, that's what and happens I'm thinking, in the comics. Oh, okay. And I'm thinking, well, there's a little clue right there, because in a way, you know, Matt's giving him a hint, like Daredevil's giving him a hint. Mm-hmm. I know some people you know, you know? Mm-hmm. Did that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> also, uh, Matt, Matt does the twitch in that scene. He's, he does the switch and suppress violence, yay! Yeah. <laughs> and that was like when he was like accusing him of murdering mm-hmm. the Russians, right? Was that who yeah. brought it out? I forget. Yep. And there's a quote, but nobody say it because it's one of my quotes. Okay. And my I last like thing here is that um, the cufflinks that Vanessa picks out for him mm-hmm. look exactly mm-hmm. like the LexCorp logo from Smallville. Yeah. <laughs> That's a LexCorp logo right there. Robin, Robin, it's all connected. That's hey, cool. bald, bald. Yep. Yeah, both bald. Yep, there you go. Mm-hmm. So, are you guys ready for some yummy, yummy Easter eggs? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yum, 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 yum. <laughs> okay, there's not that many this episode, actually. So, um, we get mention of Don Rigoletto. Uh, so, the connection is set up via Fisk's father. And obviously, we covered the Man Without Fear comics. And in that, um, Fisk was Don Rigoletto's bodyguard who betrayed and murdered him. Um, we get uh, the Owsley's son, he mentions is called Lee, so possibly called Leland as well. In the comics, Leland Owsley is the villain, the owl, and a few people watching the show were like, how can this guy be the owl? Because he's, like, super old. I mean, we get in the show, he's, he's 73. So there's a possibility that maybe it's his son that is the owl, because he has the same name, because he's Leland Owsley Jr. Maybe. Ah. Yeah. Uh, another one is that we obviously meet Mr. Potter, Melvin Potter. Um, there are a few details in his workshop um, that kind of hint at his him in the comics. In the comics, he was a villain known as the Gladiator. On the wall, there is a poster that says Revenge of the Gladiators, which is yellow and blue, which is the color scheme of the Gladiator's costume. The first thing we see in the scene is a saw blade, which is one of his trademark uh, weapons. And he's measuring Owsley for an overcoat, which is green. And that's what the owl traditionally wears in the comics. So there's a lot so, of things in that scene. So is he not allowed to be the, gl- the gladiator anymore because his friends found out that he sews? Maybe. They were like, <laughs> you've got a rubbish hobby. <laughs> Whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> they threw him out of gladiator school. He took, took his costume away. Oh. Uh, and I have one more, which is when we see Little Fisk in the flashbacks, there was a uh, run of Daredevil, which was the parts of a whole um, run, which was written by David Mack and um, art by Joe Casada. And in that, there are some scenes of flashbacks of Little Wilson Fisk. And they seem to have definitely been inspired by those in this scene because Little Wilson Fisk, in most of the scenes in the episode, is wearing a stripy top, which is what he wears in the comic. And he also has the yellow and blue kind of color scheme, which is what he has in the comic as well. Um, there's also a bit in the comic where when he's 12 years old, he murders a maintenance man with a hammer. So mm-hmm. they're obviously inspired by that. I, uh, those are your Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. Robin. No, please. Go ahead. I was just going to say I missed one of my notes. Uh, when uh, 
then deleted his article or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like, this this has a one up on the Daredevil on the Daredevil movie because at least he didn't backspace the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> at least he he just kind of like didn't save it rather than you know pressed delete and it backspaced the entire thing, which does not happen. <laughs> yeah. There, I have a question. Is Rigoletto the fixer? Um, I it's, don't so know. So is Rigoletto responsible for Jack Murdoch's death? Well, no, because we met the fixer. We met, um, well, we met the guy in the episode where Jack Murdoch was told he had to throw the fight. Mm-hmm. We met yeah, Silk was and... his actual name, Rigoletto? <laughs> no, 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 Rigoletto wasn't in, in the show. Right. Yeah, it's a different person. So now oh, it's time like, for... Really... <laughs> it's time for quotes, guys. And our special guest, our specialist of guests, Moira, can go first. Uh, no, except that because I didn't actually re- watch it a second time, I really don't have any, so it's fine. Do you want me to whisper one to you? That's fine. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. The only one I did have, well, it doesn't matter. I can't even remember. It was something that, what's his name said? Matt's sidekick. And <laughs> Matt's matter. sidekick? Yeah, well, I can't think of his name with the hair, you know. Foggy. Uh, <laughs> Foggy. Foggy. <laughs> Foggy. Oh, oh, whatever. Our listener figure <sighs> is sitting at home right now crying. She's the biggest Foggy fan ever. Yeah. Like I said, he's, he's anyway. Not my not my cup of tea. Sorry. That's fine. Okay, Mel, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Yeah. Get out, sir. If there's anything I can bring, get out. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, now, were you quoting then, or were you just yelling at that? I was uh, rapt- I was raptoring at him. <laughs> um, Robin? I'll start from the first one I have from this episode. On occasion, some dickery may leak out, but it doesn't mean I'm wrong. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like the words dickery and leak being in the same Leak, yeah. yeah. Like, My rating oh. system was almost uh, uh, leaking dickery as the rating system. Leaking dickery. Uh, Matt? Uh... He's half an idiot. It's the other half that counts. <laughs> I like that one as well. <laughs> uh, I have one between Hoffman and Wesley, which is, you shot him. Technically, we paid someone else to shoot him. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyone else got any quotes? I have two more. I have more. I have, I have, I have Go for a, it, guys. A, no, go ahead. No, all right. <laughs> How many languages do you speak? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> so Very good sneaky gal voice now. <laughs> I wish I wish he had tested her. I know. Do you they speak had a language off. off? They should have, they should have had a language off, like, can you speak this? And then they'd just be like, you know, like a rap battle, but it's like... Yeah, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> can you speak I have an Can you speak Esperanto? <laughs> I have an exchange between Wesley and Nobu. Wesley says... He questions your validity. Nobu says, I say it is a piss and shit. Yay! I love Nobu. He's awesome. Oh, I have another one, which more. is... You... I've got Go one, ahead. which is Matt, which I love, which is, I'm not a killer. I keep telling people that. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, Never trust the quiet ones. Those are the pricks are always up to something. It's true. Just look at Mel. I mean... That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Mel's always... Yeah. Uh, I have I have one more, uh, which is just get the saw. I love that. It's like oh yeah, yeah. And we we can't do this without one one raspy quote. Mm-hmm. My name is Wilson Fisk. <laughs> we can make the city a better place. <laughs> oh, 
I love doing Fisk voice. It's so much fun. <laughs> I know. It's great. <laughs> it's great. Okay, so the next part is feedback. Um, we have one voicemail and one email. Who would like to read the email? It's from Heidi. Can do it. I will put it in Skype for you now. There you go. Hey, guys. I thought I was watching Dexter for a minute there. Me too! <laughs> when Fisk was cooking his eggs for breakfast. Actually, I thought about Hannibal for that one. But the yeah. other part, the whatever, the cufflinks. That's what yeah. made me think of Dexter. Um, and then the kid with the blood. Still could have been Dexter. That's true. Yeah. Um, the, super, the superhero never thinks their friends should be doing the same type of life-threatening stuff that they are doing. Most of them are a bit hypocritical, and especially Matt. Yes, he has cool powers of observation, but he is still a normal human who can get hurt, and he does. But he expects Foggy and Karen to use the law instead of spying. I'm not saying it's a flaw. I get why he would feel this way, but on their side, it's very hypocritical. Fisk's father certainly made him the man he is today. This is actually one of my favorite flashbacks. The rest of the episode isn't outstanding to me, but I love seeing Fisk's backstory and understanding why he was staring at that painting in the other episode. Until next time, Heidi. Thanks, Heidi. Thanks, Heidi. Hmm. Awesome. Uh, we also have one haiku this week from our regular haiku contributor, Matt A. <laughs> Uh, he lost his notes, so we only get one haiku this week, he said. I'm going to put it in uh, in the thing. Who wants to read the haiku in the style of whoever you like? Matt, Moira, do it? Oh, Moira, uh, yes. Read, read the haiku. Um, I don't yeah, know yeah. if I can see it on my phone. I'm afraid to touch oh. me. Oh, oh wait, there it is. Oh, I can. Hmm. In the style. No, can I just read it? This is so much Yeah, of course you can. You can read it however you like. <laughs> okay. Fisk gets his kicks in, bags to the river nightly. Not fat pussy king. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not fat pussy king. <laughs> no, not fat pussy king. Hmm, okay. Um, we have one it. voicemail as well. Robin, are you okay playing that? Actually, it's an email. I'm going to read it just like Woo. Here we go. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm a lover of irony in almost everything fiction, and I love the irony of what Wilson Fisk says in this episode to Vanessa, that he wants to build this city back up to something great, and he wants to do something right by the city of New York, which is essentially what Wilson Fisk's father tried to do. But the difference between the father and the son the son is much more well-connected than his father ever was. Yeah. But he's still just like an everyday guy trying to be something bigger than himself, which is no different than what his father did. And I love that kind of ironic twist of that old saying, you despise the thing, you become the thing you despise the most. And it's really true when it comes to Wilson Fisk and his father. I just find it really ironic and interesting. Mm. I love how this episode was shot. I thought the shot compositions were some of the best of the season, and I love how the director chose to shoot D'Onofrio, and this is one of D'Onofrio's finest performances in seeing the different shades, the different colors of Wilson Fisk's personality, and I love the performance that plays Madame Gao, the way she's able to mix proper and polite but still be very frightening and very intimidating and be able to stare down a guy D'Onofrio's size and D'Onofrio looking very worried and very scared. And she doesn't really change her inflection. She doesn't really change anything in her acting. 
just some subtle hand movements, and that's all she needs to do, and that's it. And I think that was great work by her in this episode when she's taking tea with Wilson. <laughs> to answer my own question from last episode, <laughs> it doesn't really matter to me where, but I would love to see Captain Rogers punching the bag like he did in the first Avengers film in Fogwalls, where we're just, for argument's sake, we'll just say it's Fogwalls, and all of a sudden, you just hear a tapping of the cane, and it's Matt Murdock in workout gears, and he just walks up to Steve Rogers and goes, so you're the guy that's been breaking all of our bags. <laughs> and they, they have a polite conversation, because I've always felt, and even though I know Claire does not like Tony Stark, the way <laughs> Matt Murdock's being portrayed in this in this series is that he's got kind of the playboy womanizing aspect of Tony Stark. That's a part of Matt Murdock, but also there is the integrity and the unwielding sympathy for humanity that Steve Rogers has. That un wielding empathy as well. And I would really like to see Captain America in Daredevil interact, or Matt Murdock and Steve Rogers. Two more things. I don't know if you guys mentioned this on the last episode, but there was something going on, on the internet about Joss Whedon being such a fan of Star Wars that he requested that in every Phase 2 movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe from Iron Man 3 to Ant-Man, even though we haven't seen Ant-Man yet, that a character loses a hand or loses an arm as an homage to Star Wars Episode 5 when Luke chops off or Luke Skywalker gets his arm chopped off by Darth Vader. And even though Daredevil is not an MCU movie, we do get to see in the last episode a guy get his arm chopped off by stick at the very beginning. What do you guys think about that? And this is a random thought of mine. Sorry if I'm rambling on and on and on. Sorry, guys. I like the kind of subtle or not so subtle Easter eggs that we've seen in this Marvel Cinematic and Television Universe. And I was doing the math in my head because I'm a big Asian Carter fan and I yeah. like Haley Atwell. If I'm doing the math right, where they left Agent Carter off in terms of the timeline in season one, do you think it could be possible or would you like to see her, Peggy Carter go to a Catholic church in New York City and she runs into the woman that will eventually be Matt Murdock's grandmother? What do you guys think about that? Love the podcast. See you guys next week. Bye-bye. Thanks, Woo. I'm up for any crossovers with Daredevil, so if they did that in yeah. car, I'd be happy. Um, yeah, I don't know if you guys heard about the thing with, you know, every Phase 2 Marvel movie features someone getting their hand uh, or arm chopped off, which it does. Um, I did notice, I did hear about that, but was that something they said they actually did, or is that somebody's speculation? I, I don't know. I'm not sure if they said they did it, but, I mean, it does happen, but... I know, but who, unless they say, unless they say we did this as an homage to Empire Strikes Back, then you're probably looking too much into it. (laughs) Yeah, and even if it is like a homage to Empire Strikes Back, I don't get it really, because then it's like, oh, well, we know in this film that someone's going to get their arm chopped off. It kind of takes any, you know, surprise out of it. 
Because, so is it, yeah. you know, if you have, I mean, for instance, and this is super to do with the comics, so sorry, Moira and Mel. Um, if you go and see Avengers Age of Ultron, and this has spoilers for that, sorry, anyone that's not seen it, and you have, like, the character Ulysses Claw in it, who has one arm in the comics, and you know that in every film they're going to have someone lose an arm, then you're like, oh, well, he's going to lose an arm. You know, it's just kind of... I just, I don't see the point of it. I don't feel like they have, they, they shouldn't go, we have to include this in every one of our films because then it, yeah, it makes it tighter, tighter restrictions on what you can write into the film. Well, he, he was saying that uh, it, it was something that happened during Phase 2. Phase 2 is over. He said that Ant-Man... No, it's not. Ant-Man's Phase, phase 2. I thought Ant-Man was the beginning of Phase 3 because no, Avengers no, no. ends every phase. No, no, uh, Ant-Man ends um, Phase 2. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's it's... That's why they've said kind of a, a lot of people seem to have forgotten about Ant-Man because it's coming out after um, Avengers. But uh, Marvel have said that it actually sets up a lot of phase three, which is why it's it's after um, Avengers. But that is that is the end of, um, of phase two. So the first one of phase three, I think, is Civil War. OK, <laughs> I didn't think so. I didn't, I, that's not what I thought. I got to look it up, uh, but whatever. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I can't. I can't remember what else you asked. Wu, sorry, but I'm up for any about the crossovers. Mm-hmm. About the crossovers, I don't. I don't want crossovers everywhere. I don't like that usually because then it feels like the prequel trilogy of Star Wars. Like yeah. it just makes the universe unnecessarily small. Like this person knows this person. This person's this person's father. This person built this thing that you already know, and like it just makes everything too small. And it, I, I don't know. There was a cool um, uh, GIF or GIF, I never know which one it is, set that someone did online where they had, um, uh, it was like the scene in, um, or a scene in Daredevil, I won't say which one, but um, Matt is boxing and um, a scene from Avengers 1 where Steve Rogers is boxing. And then they did they did them going back and forth and, and made it look like they were having a conversation. It was pretty cool because I would love to see those two sort of hanging out and doing boxing together. Now I'm looking it up. According to Wikipedia, you're right. I, of course. Why do you just, have to trust Wikipedia over me? I'm always right. I dare you. Uh, I had to check up on you. Because oh. <laughs> I, I was thinking Phase 3 would end with Infinity War Part 1. Phase 4 would end with Infinity War Part 2. No, no, no. Infinity War Part 1 and 2 are both in Phase 3. So there's been nothing announced for Phase 4 yet. Um, Mel, Mel, Mel. Uh, sorry, what? guys. Sorry, guys. No? Okay, no, no. What? Just an aside. Um, Mel, how many <laughs> phases do you think this universe has, and is it starting to frighten you, too? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I phase four, phase four. <laughs> 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 I was only out. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> She went back into her egg and rolled out of here. Yeah, I, 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 that's what, that's, that is what bothers me. I didn't, by the way, by the way, Claire, I didn't say, I didn't, it's too much, it's too much, but I didn't say that to make you stop, Claire, I said that because I honestly thought, oh my god, I had no idea this was going to go on. Oh no, it's fine, it's, I mean, at the moment, we're at the, coming to the end of phase two, they don't tend to announce, um, they've announced phase three, which is the, the biggest phase of the movies because it has something like ten movies in it. Whereas the other ones wow. had around six. I can't I can't remember exact numbers. But they haven't announced any of phase four yet because they probably don't want to because you know, they don't know if the the movies are still gonna be as big as they are now. We're sort of right, rising right, on this yeah. superhero was, thing. Which is kind of yeah. I, I I think is a good way of doing it because D C on the other hand, who, you know, do Batman and Superman and all those, they've mm-hmm. announced their film lineup 
up until like tw- like past 2020 and they haven't even had one big hit in their films mm. yet which i think is insane because it's like you can't go oh we're making these two films that are out next year which is suicide squad and um batman versus superman nobody knows if these are going to be big hits like man of mm-hmm. steel wasn't universally loved but they've still announced their film lineup for the next Five plus years, I just think is crazy. It still made six hundred and sixty-eight million dollars. Yeah, but it so wasn't. Think, yeah, but it wasn't. It wasn't a, a massive success that they wanted. You know, well, it was four Transformers movies too. No, I know. Which are, but um, unfortunately, say. those are massive successes. You know, yeah. the Transformer mo- movies, um, whether critics like mm. them or not. But they really wanted like people to love the Man of Steel movie like Dark Knight was loved. You know, Dark Knight is a fantastic movie. Um, it's, mm. it's you know, it's loved by critics and fans, most you know, mostly alike. Man of Steel didn't get that. It was very divisive. Um, and that's going to be damaging for any films because it's it's not getting new fans on board, if you know what I mean. It's, it's a lot of the time it's the DC fans that already love the characters that will be defending it. Whereas if you have a film... In the Marvel Universe, that aren't always as daring, doing stuff that's daring or unusual, like the DC ones want to do, but are kind of solid films all the way through, then you are more likely to get a solid audience because the people who don't know the comics will go to them. Do you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. I, I just think it's, 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 I, I, I think the way DC's doing it, I'm surprised that they're announcing it so far in advance before they've had the big hit that they really need. And obviously Batman v Superman, I imagine, will be a massive hit because it's Batman v Superman. And I hope it's good. I genuinely hope it's a good movie. Uh, Think about it this way. Uh, Man of Steel was released in May of 2013, and according to my handy Wikipedia city right here, Marvel has will will have released six movies mm-hmm. <laughs> between Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman. Which wow. is one of the other things because on, Marvel Marvel is it yeah, but the thing is like Marvel is its own film studio. It's an offset mm-hmm. of Disney. So Marvel just makes Marvel films, whereas Warner Brothers owns a lot of properties. It owns, you know, it was doing franchises for, I mean, not, obviously not now because it's finished, but Harry Potter, they're going to be doing the new Harry Potter films, which are the spin-offs. They do uh, DC films. They do a lot of different stuff. So they haven't got the money or the release dates to, to have a film out, you know, every, like, two films a year like Marvel can. So they are at a disadvantage with that as well. But that's why I kind of am like, why are they announcing their film slate so far in advance? Um, it just surprises me anyway. Anyway, we need to score yes. this episode. So, Moira, our special, special <laughs> guest, what would you like to score it? Well, I really enjoyed seeing Fisk's backstory because I've been intrigued about that. Um, and uh, creepy, creepy Vanessa. <laughs> so I like this one overall. I won't belabor it. I really quite did. So I'm going to give this one um, nine out of ten brutalized, bloody boys in the mirror. Oh, poor little little Fisk. Um, Fisk. Uh, Matt. Uh, Are you muted still? No, I am not muted. Oh, sorry. Uh, was it? I wish you no. guys would shut up talking about phase whatever. No, no, I just didn't. I didn't. So when I have to talk to Matt, when I have to tell Matt something, I'm just like muted because I don't want to interrupt anyway. <laughs> um, so I, it was. I liked the episode. I didn't love it. I, I don't know. Kingpin's not doing it for me like he does for everyone else. I don't know what it is, but I did enjoy seeing his backstory, but. And 
I don't know. And there was like no fighting in this episode at all. And mm-hmm. if usually that a problem, but if there's not fighting, then I want there to be lawyering and lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna do seven point five out of ten dad sections. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah, um, loved it. Um, I'd say uh, this Fisk origin story was really great. Um, it, it really explained a where this character is coming from, and b like what D'Onofrio is doing with this character. It's it makes it all make sense so much more. I love the Melvin Potter love. Leland, love, um, you know, you get Nobu and Gao and everybody just breaking Fisk down. And I think with Vanessa's help, he's going to be, uh, I don't know, he's going to be smoking cigars with rap music playing any minute now. Um, so I'm excited for that. Uh, the only thing that um, I missed was uh, Daredevil beating someone's ass. So I will say <laughs> 9 out of 10, um, what did I say? Oh, potential owl suits. <laughs> Mel? Uh, um, I like the the Willie Fisk flashbacks. <laughs> I like uh, anything with Wilson Fisk in this episode was actually pretty good. And uh, I also enjoyed the meatball sub-murder. Um, <laughs> anything uh, bad is usually anything with Foggy. And uh, just the Leland and Nobu stuff kind of bored me, but whatever. Um, so I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 everyday omelets. <laughs> Aww. Um, yeah, and I I uh, really like this episode. I wouldn't say it's up with uh, my favorite ones, but I particularly enjoyed the flashbacks uh, to Wilson Fisk's childhood, and I love the scene between uh, Madame Gao and um, and mm. Fisk. I thought that was great, mm-hmm. and I love the actress that plays Madame Gao. I think she's amazing. So I'm going to give it 7.5 as well. Uh, 7.5 Matt's Sucky Rules out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> Average score this week is 8.2. Ooh, that's good. Um, Moira, Doc Brown, thank you for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> it was fun. Um, it was fun. And where, where else can we hear you? Think yourself. <sighs> you know, occasionally when I have my act together, sending in feedback to various things, although I haven't done that for iZombie in weeks either, because, hey, I'm way behind. Um, <clears> but, yeah, hither and hither and on. <laughs> hither and on. <laughs> yeah. iZombie. And also, what about Chatterbox? Uh, not in a while. Oh. oh <laughs> no. You need to be on not it more often. often. Sorry. <laughs> oh, chatterbox, chatterbox people, if you're uh, listening, you need to get uh, more on more often as a guest. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Um, and co-hosts, defenders, uh, have you guys been up to anything this week you would like to pimp? Go ahead, Robin. Oh, just <laughs> the usual iZombie podcast. Um, I'm not really guessing on much lately because I've been so busy. But uh, iZombie podcast, you're almost done with the season. And uh, maybe eventually we'll get feedback from Moira. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, and if you uh, want to contact us and send us emails, haikus, or voicemails like <laughs> the guys did this week, we we love getting haikus. I still want a granny rap written about the show. I would love that. Um, 
maybe some kind of epic, and, and can epic I, poem. Yes. I need, I need to apologize to Matt A. for how poorly I read his haiku, because <laughs> honestly, uh, no, honestly, it took me that I wasn't quite understanding it, and then after I reread, I went, oh, okay, now I get it, so sorry, Matt. <laughs> it could have been better. I thought it was great. <laughs> Moira, don't worry. Uh, um, you can email us at defenderspod <clears throat> at gmail.com. You can contact us, and when I say us again, I'll say me on Twitter <laughs> at, at defenderspod. It's just me, guys. It's just me. Um, and you can find us on Facebook at The Defenders Podcast, which you should absolutely follow because we post all kinds of wacky stuff on there and it's fun. I, um, I just posted those She-Hulk pictures. We yay! Oh, nice. Hey, yes. Claire, can I make a request about the Facebook page? Mm-hmm. When you're posting things in there, could you, like, market whether there's spoilers or not? Because I don't click on anything because <laughs> I'm worried I'll get spoiled. But you shouldn't click on anything. Therefore, you're doing the right thing, Robin. All right. You're Sometimes a well-trained you sharing things. No. To... Anything to do with Daredevil, you should not click on. Anything to do okay. with Jessica well, Jones. Well, just let me know if there is something. If there is something you can click on, I will put in big letters, Robin, you can click on this. <laughs> yeah. Or just tag me yes. or whatever. <laughs> yes, Robin, you can click me. Yes. Click, uh, click here, Robin. <laughs> uh, can I uh, plug my stuff? Yeah, go. Uh, hey, has anyone out there heard that Twin Peaks is coming back in 2016? <laughs> what? Uh, I haven't. Tell me all about it. Well, it is, and all your friends are going to be talking about it. And if you haven't they are? seen, if you haven't seen the first two seasons of Twin Peaks, you should probably get on that now before it's uh, before your time is up for season three. <laughs> I'll get right on that. And while you're doing that, (laughs) while you're doing that, you should listen to the Twin Peaks podcast, and uh, we review each episode, or we did. Absolutely should. It's the first podcast uh, I ever listened to. Yay! (laughs) Was it the first one you guessed it on? No. Uh, no. You betrayed us for Robin, I think. That's your fault. (gasps) Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Robin. Fisher cast was it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, probably. Ah, they trade us for me and Moira. Yeah, for yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Single tier. Um, <laughs> Single tier. <laughs> and uh, you can also listen to Hooplecast, um, which is about Deadwood, and that's uh, run by the guy who sends in the haikus every week. Yeah, yeah. A. And um, what we make is a Terminator podcast, and that is all. That is the podcast king. Uh, Robin, what are you buying? I took the crown for Robin. (laughs) 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 So, the only thing we have left to do is say what we're going to cover next week, which is the episode Speak of the Devil. Uh, What do you guys think it's going to be about? People are going to be, like, talking about somebody, and then all of a sudden they're going to walk in the room. (laughs) Like, oh, Speak of the Devil. (laughs) A sermon about Satan. (laughs) A sermon by who? Uh, by the priest that was in the one of the other episodes. Oh, Father Latrum? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, he's going to actually show up, yeah. Like, Matt Murdoch's going to start growing little horns out of his head. He's going to have to shave them down. Oh, I what, like Hellboy? It'd be like, no, it'd be like Mr. Potter and horns. And Melvin will come out and be like, you're my brother. The other, other Mr. Potter. Okay. Well, it, I have to say, I'm very, very excited about this episode. Um, 
opinion spoilers maybe but also we will hmm. be chatting to the writers of next week's episode which is Christoph oh. Gage and Ruth Fletcher Gage um, which is so exciting wow. so yeah it's very, very exciting cool. um, so if you guys have any questions for them when you watch the episode like email in and let us know um, and we'll try and get as many questions as we can to them uh, oh, but in the I'm meantime, so glad I'm caught up <laughs> yes <laughs> Next, yeah, yeah, I'm. I yeah. Next week's episode, I'm excited. Yeah, for. yeah. Um, but yeah, we will uh, be covering that next week. And Moira, I think, should take us out with the most doctorly of Excelsiors. Wait a minute. I, you know what? <laughs> I, I don't even understand why you do that. I have no idea where that came from. And then well, you yelled okay. Excalibur. I don't know either. I don't know. I don't, what? What? Go. No, seriously. What Just is go with that? It. Just go with okay, it. Excelsior! <laughs> Thank you for listening. You can comment and send feedback to us by emailing defenderspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash defenderspodcast or on Twitter at defenderspod. Defenders Podcast is created under a Creative Commons attribution, non commercial, no derivatives. 3.0 unported international license that means you can share it you can send it to your friends you just can't make any money off of it you can't change it and you have to link back to us and our site excelsior